Okay, we're recording both on Zencaster and our local, right? Yep. A pop positive. It's counting up. Oh, or down. We've recorded 500 kilobytes so far. I didn't Almost. even know how to yeah, find QuickTime on the Mac, so. <laughs> I just search it. Oh, that's smart. I'm not that smart. Okay, let's start. You ready? <laughs> okay. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Digital Bounds podcast, episode 33, take two. So, Sony and I had an amazing conversation, and it was all lost because um, we had some problems with our recording software. So, as always, of course, yeah. I have Sunny with me. Hey, what's up? Almost an hour of footage or footage, recording man. audio audio footage. What is what is the word? Audio content. I don't know. I guess. <laughs> but yeah, we lost like an hour of us. Like I thought it was a pretty good episode, but it was a great we'll episode. Do an even better one this time. Yeah, so it, it's very unfortunate what happened, but um, we've learned our lesson, and from now on, we're gonna like actually uh record locally so we have local backups instead of just doing it on the cloud we're gonna do the whole episode you, again too <laughs> are you saying you can't trust the cloud yeah no don't tr- trust the cloud <laughs> don't trust the internet actually <clears throat> so let's just dive into the topics again um you want to go take that brief quiz again yeah so i already did that um so the quiz is which tech giants would you drop and that's kind of like a priority of uh well, five giants, Alphabet, Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, and Amazon, and the order which you would drop them. So you want to just go uh, one by one? Yeah, so I said I would drop Apple first. Okay, I did Facebook first. Okay. Um, I picked Apple because I don't quite always use their hardware. Yes, I'm using a Mac right now to record, and I'm using GarageBand, and I'm using their services. But I often use a Windows laptop. I'm just kind of scared to use a Windows laptop at the moment after losing all our audio. Uh, why is Facebook? Yeah. yeah. I just don't really use Facebook. Like, it's not my primary network, but I don't really – like all Facebook's good for for me is just like finding memes. Like that's I feel like that's all my friends post, so it's not really that useful for me. Like maybe Messenger – um, but I feel like it's the easiest to drop because I don't really, like, I'm not invested in their um, ecosystem as much as other social networks. Uh, what about Instagram and, like, Oculus, though? Um, like, I'm ha- I haven't really, I don't have a VR system in my house, so I don't really, like, I care about Oculus, but I don't use it. Like, there's other competitors, so I guess I don't care as much. And then, yeah, Instagram's nice. Like, I prefer it over Snapchat. But, I don't know, it's just something I can drop. Like, I can, I'm fine with Twitter. That's still, like, my main network. Yeah, Twitter's my main network, but I still feel like Facebook's a big, important part of it. So, that's why I kind of kept them around for a second. Second, I dropped um, Amazon. Okay, for me, I dropped uh, Microsoft. (laughs) Okay, why'd you drop Microsoft? Um, so I don't use a Windows machine and I don't use any of Microsoft services. Yes, you um, do. Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't played for months. I don't know if that really counts. Okay, I um, guess that's true. Like, I respect for what Microsoft has been doing recently. I really like what they've been putting out. Um, like, dropping Apple, I could switch over to Microsoft. Um, I don't know what I would switch if, you know, if we're dropping both. But 
yeah, I just don't really use um, any of Microsoft services right now except for the Xbox. And why'd you pick Apple? Or uh, Amazon. Or Amazon. Um, there's there's but dozens of other options. So Walmart has like free or two-day shipping, and they have like same-day pickup from your Walmart stores. There's Jet.com. Um, there's like other like B&H, like if I want to buy an SD card or any sort of memory, I always go to B&H over Amazon because there's a big fraud problem on Amazon. So I feel like I can drop Amazon, even though I did order a new blue microphone from Amazon today. Um, I'm still a little hesitant of... Yeah, I actually did not know that Walmart had free two-day shipping. It's... Um, I still don't feel like it completely replaces Amazon. Um, I just find shopping on Amazon easier and they have like a way bigger um, variety of options, but that's just me. I feel the same way for the most part, but like I said, like if it's gone tomorrow, I wouldn't mind too much. I would just like go walmart.com all the time. So number three for me was Facebook. And mine was Apple. Okay. So why Facebook? Um, I use Facebook on like a daily basis. I also use Instagram and I feel like Oculus is like super important to like the future of technology. So VR is going to be a big thing in like the future. Um, yeah. And Apple for me, because even though I do use a MacBook, that's the only Apple hardware and services that I use. Like I don't use any Apple services. And so it's the only piece of hardware that I use. Okay. So it's pretty easy to drop. Like I use it because, you know, for programming and other things, but um, I, I could potentially switch over. So it's not a deal breaker. That makes sense. Number four for me was Microsoft. Mine was Amazon. Why'd you do Amazon? Um, Because I can't drop Google. That was my pick. <laughs> so I decided to pick Amazon. Okay. Well, Microsoft. It's kind of like the same reasons as you. So. That's true. Okay, so Microsoft I picked because I use the Xbox. I play on occasion. While I've been playing my Nintendo Switch more, I still like play Rocket League and stuff. Um, I use Windows Laptop. I also use um, some of their services. So I'm a little tied into Microsoft, not as much as I am with like Alphabet and Google. So yeah, you're definitely tied into Microsoft a lot more than me. Yeah. Did you you pick Alphabet last, right? Yeah, and just because since they it's the umbrella for Google, like I just use way too many Google services to drop it. Um, on top of that, like I have a Nexus, I use Android. Um, I actually like bought my mom a Chromebook recently. Um, I'm just kind of like all into Google's ecosystem. So there's just it's it's going to be the hardest to drop it. Uh, I don't even know if I could honestly. Yeah, I I'm like Google Assistant, Google Home. I use. Um, Gmail, Google Docs, I use so much of their stuff that if they do, like, if I do have to drop them, I'm searching for, like, multiple different services. So I would have to, like, go to uh, Dropbox, and then I have to go to, like, um, Outlook, and then there's, like, your, like, other little, like, online services that I would have to, like, jump yeah. to. And, and most importantly, like, are we going to start watching Vimeo? Ooh, man. I'm like, yeah, that's, I feel that's dirty. That changes perspective, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I want to put them number six. <laughs> okay. So, um, let's see. There's the little information. So, most people, this is from the New York Times. So, most people drop Facebook first. That's 56%. Second, 
or twenty two percent of people dropped Microsoft first. Ten percent dropped Apple first. Six percent dropped Apple uh, Alphabet's first. Six percent dropped Amazon first. So dropped last was thirty eight percent Alphabet, thirty four percent Apple, thirteen percent Amazon, eleven percent Microsoft, and one percent Facebook. So Facebook is definitely like the one that everyone's okay with getting rid of. Yeah, and I feel like um, I said this on the first take. How I feel like the demographic for New York Times, and this is not like confirmed or anything, but I feel like it's more older readers as opposed to like you know millennials and people in their twenties or potentially their teens. Um, and for them, they use other like they use Snapchat and other social networks over Facebook. Facebook kind of is really dying out for millennials. I feel like, and I can contest that a little bit. I say it's more affluent, so college educated. Um, I read it, but I'm like a journalist, so they're college educated, uh, making probably about fifty six thousand or more, uh, married stuff like that. So they do skew a little older, and they do skew a little more uh, affluent because you do have to pay for the New York Times. So these people are most likely journalists themselves, or like somehow work in politics or some sort of high income job where they're like, okay, they're not using Facebook. They're probably using Twitter in all honesty. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. So let's jump to, let's talk about Microsoft build. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that happened at the build conference. Um, I'm not too familiar with it. Obviously we already went through a take some more familiar with it now. Um, I guess we can start with the fall creators update for Windows 10. Yeah, okay. So Windows 10 fall creators update, it's it's necessarily like the next version of Windows. So if it wasn't Windows 10 being the last version of Windows forever, um, this would be like a Windows 11 instead, you know? Yeah, this, this sounds like um, what Apple was doing with OS 10, where they're kind of like, it's it's not like even though it's OS ten, like they're just keep, uh, releasing new version names for the same um, version number. Yeah, it's like Sierra and like just on and yeah. on. So yeah, it's the same theory. But what they're doing, they're really pushing um, content creation um, VR, and they're also introducing like this new timeline, so you can see like um, your documents, your, your videos, your files all in like a timeline view. So I think that's really cool. And overall it just looks like minor refinements to windows 10. Yeah. I think one of the big things from this is, um, the fact that they're pushing content through Cortana to your other devices. Um, so it's kind of like similar to handoff on, um, an Apple's ecosystem. Um, and yeah, just basically like through Cortana, you know, so maybe you're reading uh, um, a Word document or you're writing one, and then you can go through to your iOS device and through Cortana, there would be a notification. You can click it and it opens up um, Office on your iOS and it just opens like the same document in the same place where you're at. So I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, they're putting a focus on Cortana and kind of making it more of like a, a voice assistant that you'll want to use everywhere. So on iOS, Android, and your Windows laptop, maybe one day it will come to Mac in some capacity. But Cortana is okay. Like I'm, I'm not too concerned with what Microsoft's doing with Cortana. Yeah, but the big thing with that is they kind of like realize that okay, we, we have not won the mobile market. So we're but we're really strong in the you know hardware, laptop, and computer markets. So um, they're pushing really strongly into that. But then. 
um, still pushing their services and, onto other mobile devices, so on iOS and Android, because that's where the users are. Um, and I kind of related to how Google um, pushes, like they don't care where the users are at, you know, whatever hardware they're on. They just push their services to their users no matter where they're at. Yeah, so Microsoft has like laptops um, that are like enterprise and like consumer grade. They don't have any phone, but they have great services. Google has great services and they have a phone like market that is just huge. And they're slowly pushing into like the enterprise market with Chromebooks. So it looks like Microsoft and Google are competing the closest like versus like Apple and Google like Microsoft looks like the closest like competitor to Google. Yeah, and it's almost like they're coming off like from separate ends where Google started off as like a software company and then Microsoft started off as like a hardware company. I know they're both software, but um, Microsoft was like stronger with hardware um, and Google was stronger with software. Yeah, it, it, it it's interesting to see these companies like introduce all these like lock-ins now. Apple does it with their like services and their hardware. Microsoft's starting to do it the same way, and Google's doing it very much the same way with like their Pixel and their their other uh, Chromebooks. Well, I don't know if I would really say it's lock-in. It's they're kind of freeing like you, you still have to use their services, but they're freeing where you can access them from. So you can access Office from at this point from anywhere, like even on a Chromebook. Yeah, but. I would say it's still locking because you're locked into like Microsoft services in a sense. Like you're locked into Microsoft. They encourage you more to use a Windows laptop than a than a, a MacBook. Right. I mean, it's still accessible, but yeah, they're definitely still pushing like the Surface line uh, very very hard on that. Yeah, but it is an unbundling of like all the services, so now we we can access it on anything. Where Apple still has iMessage only on the Mac. <laughs> yep. Uh, so the next thing was uh, their new visual identity. It's the Microsoft Fluent Design System <laughs> for their. What were they calling it? Um, multi-reality, right? Yeah, it there's it focuses on light, depth, motion, material, and scale. So it's building on top of Metro, and the Fluent Design is meant to like work in not only your laptop or your phone or your Xbox, but also in mixed reality. So in VR and AR. So you'll be able to use this anywhere. So Microsoft's thinking far into the future. Yeah, and I think that definitely makes sense since they're, I th- they're kind of like pushing the VR, um, VR like um, on a world of uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. hardware and stuff. V- VR, or, Microsoft doesn't know that word. They call it mixed reality. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mixed reality. <laughs> um, but with uh, what 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 is their version of uh, VR? I forget what it's called. Well, they have um, Hololens, which is AR, but they have VR that is VR, but they're partnering, partnering with like Acer and other OEMs to release like, um, a headset. So th- th- that goes in conjunction with their, um, VR motion controllers that they announced. They're just regular motion controllers. They come packed together with the Acer headset and the bundle together ships for three ninety nine. So you get the headset and some cool motion controllers that have some lights around them. 
Yeah, and like there's a lot of technology that looks like goes into these controllers, but I really hope that um, the actual VR headset is pretty good quality and not, you know, not where like the controllers are taking up the majority of that price tag. Because like $400 for controllers, that's uh, it's a little too steep. Well, they do have the Microsoft Pro, or the Xbox Pro controller, which is ridiculously priced. <laughs> uh, What's well, what, like a hundred or 150? Oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I think the headset quality will be slightly better than like the PSVR. Not as great as like Oculus or HTC Vive, but it's going to be up there. Yeah, at the very least, it has to be better than the Daydream, which is like 130 bucks or something like that. Um, I think 79 Oh, okay. Yeah, I think so because I've been eyeing them on Amazon. I've been debating on buying it, but I don't really see any like apps or games or videos or anything that I want to use VR in, so I don't want to spend $79 on a headset. That's not that great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty comfortable, though. Yes, I did. I used it at South by for like some virtual reality experience and it was okay, but it let a lot of light bleed in. So it's not that great in the end. Yeah, but um, going back to like uh, Fluent for a, little, for a second, like since they're kind of leading with HoloLens and introducing new uh, controllers and stuff, I think it makes a lot of sense for them to introduce a new design language that's ready for you know, their multi-reality, mixed reality, whatever, whatever they're calling it. I'm um, just having like a design language that's ready for that. Um, Cause that currently there isn't really any sort of standard or consistency for that yet. So like to be able to start off and not kind of have it as an afterthought, I think is a smart idea. Yes. I do really like that because um, they're building on top of their Metro flat design and really what they're doing. And then is just adding in shadows and, um, more colors to make sure that it works everywhere, which I think is really brilliant on their part because no one else is really doing this. Right, exactly. The other interesting part of this is Story Remix, which is like the next iteration of Movie Maker. It has um, a little a little piece from everywhere. So it has um, Google Photos in there where you like auto-create instant videos and then there's also like some Snapchat 3D videos in there. And then there's just some Windows Movie Maker with like general, um, well, uh, Windows Movie Maker or iMovie with some general like easy to use tools that allow you to make a cool movie to share with like friends and family. Well, you left out the most important part, which is having a virtual dinosaur be able to chase you <laughs> that, that's the like that's the part features, that yeah. started to really confuse me so yeah so if you're like if you take a video in their example you take like a video of a, a young girl like running during a soccer game and then you cut her out and you change the background to like uh, mountains and stuff and then a dinosaur is chasing her which is pretty fucking neat if i don't say so like if i do say so yeah, like, my only thing with this is, like, for me, it's hard to categorize who this is for. So Teens. Uh, if <laughs> I mean, like, so, you know, with iMovie, um, it's just, like, it's it's a decent uh, video editor. Even, like, some vloggers uh, use it, like, casual vloggers, but, um, like, not filmmakers, of course. Um, but whereas, like, with Story Remix, I mean, is it 
if it's just like, a, if it's a good video editor and then some things tagged onto it, um, then I think it's good and, you know, anyone's able to use it. Um, so family members and people who are trying to like edit, do a little video editing and uploading to YouTube. Um, and then the virtual dinosaur thing, like that's going to be fun for kids, but I don't really see that as something that um, like is like, I don't know, professional, professionally made, like, and no one's really going to think of it that way. Um, just a fun little thing. Yeah, I feel like if it's more like iMovie with features layered on top that you can use, but you don't have to, I think that's very good. But if it's more like um, like a specialty editor with like all this 3D stuff and then iMovie's layered on top of it, I don't think it's going to be that useful for like someone wanting to start getting into YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like the instant... Um, video stories so basically like what google photo is doing where it's like oh you took a bunch of pictures um and you know on your vacation to somewhere so it will notice that and then it'll group it all together make a, a video automatically for you so it's, if it, it does that um that's good for family members and then if it's also a good video editor then people can just use it generically for that for editing youtube and stuff yes so right on the so it just mind. it just depends on um how, how microsoft actually um, executed this and sometimes they don't do the best execution um, <laughs> right. next they're moving their their pen everywhere they're giving it more tools you're able to like use a pen when you're scrolling and interacting with windows uh, there's pdf annotations and it like works with the edge browser so some cool things with a pen whatever uh, the interesting part that i really like is the clipboard anywhere so if you're if you copy something on your android headset um, headset handset you can sync it with cortana so you can access access it on your windows laptop your iphone anywhere you have cortana installed um i believe it's it's working with white keyboard uh the, the swipe keyboard right? swift swift there we go or swift yeah yeah so it works with swift keyboard um that's kind of the integration did on microsoft mobile, buy that where you just I think they did. Okay, that makes more um, sense. I think they did. Yeah, they did. They had to. Sorry for the typing. I'm looking uh, at <laughs> Yeah, I actually looked it up too. Yeah, so they acquired them for $250 million. That's a pretty good deal. And that's pretty smart on them. Microsoft. Back uh, last year, it uh, looks like. Microsoft is buying like a bunch of cool things and integrating it with their their overall like OS yeah, and like, and this makes sense. Um, so basically, when you copy something on your Windows laptop, it will show up in your Swift uh, keyboard. So the last uh, ten things, I think, it saves multiples. I'm yeah. not sure. Um, but you'll be able to uh, like pull up a list of all the things you copied. And since Swift like is a decent keyboard, I don't think too many people will um, be kind of wary on switching to a different keyboard. Um, if not, they're using Swift already. I use a Google keyboard and I would like to use Swift, but I'm still like stuck with Google because I like their emoji search and all their extra like uh, voice features. But uh, also the other thing is um, the clipboards integrated to Microsoft's suite of office suites that are office apps. So Microsoft 360. So you can see the full clipboard in office so you can copy stuff from your phone. So you can copy like full paragraphs and easily clip it into a Microsoft document. The next super interesting piece of news from Build, like the biggest piece of news, iTunes is coming to Windows Store. 
All right, cool. What's the next story? <laughs> That's really it from Build. Uh, <laughs> so Build, the Microsoft Developer Conference, uh, we've seen some stuff. They do have an event coming up where we should see the Microsoft Surface Pro 5. So that we'll have to keep an eye on that. Sounds cool. The right. next topic is the Amazon Echo Show. What do you think? <laughs> it's actually pretty cool. So it's basically like an Amazon Echo um, with a screen. So that's it's ugly like, though. It is ugly. Yeah, it looks like um, I don't know. Like the side is just like oh, it's, it looks like like a picture frame. You know, like those digital picture frames. Um, yes. Except like way thicker. I really like the white one. The black one, I think, is the ugly one. But when you do the white, you have that front that's black where the speakers are and everything, and the white all around it. I think that looks so much better than having an all black one. Yeah, because it kind of just the back background blends in. Um, but the main thing I like about this, like if you think about it, you know, in the kitchen or like in the living room, you'll have like an iPad or something for recipes. Um, or sometimes like you need something visual to go alongside a voice assistant. So even though like, yes, it can, you know, give you the weather, a weather update, sometimes it's nice to get a visual <laughs> of um, just seeing the numbers and like the icons and stuff. Um, and the other thing this can do, which um, we can discuss into more detail, is like the phone calling. So what do you think about it? Um, so there's two parts of the phone calling. There's actually um, drop-in, which lets you call on another Echo Show. And you are just you just drop in so you see a frosted screen. And then the person that you're dropping into has to like deny your call. Otherwise, you actually like appear on the screen and can see everything. So you have 10 seconds to deny that call or that person's like actually on the screen. It doesn't like just deny your call after like 20 seconds. It just accepts your call. <laughs> that feels like the new home phone. Yeah, you know, it, it does feel like the home phone because you're able to like give it to grandma and grandma's probably like, okay, whatever, this rinky-dink thing will like do whatever she might use it to set a timer once or twice but more often than not you're using it to like drop in so you can talk to her and show her and let her see the kids and stuff i think that's more interesting yeah but the, the other thing like if you want to call any like if you want to just call someone's phone and say you know a word call my mom like they you need to have an app installed for it to be able to do that and that's what really um hurts the echo show for me yeah, um, I believe Microsoft's doing it with Cortana. You're able to use Skype to call any actual phone number. So Amazon really doesn't have any like voice over IP software to like call actual phone numbers. But I bet you in like a few years when like Google adds in some Google voice integration to Google Home, Amazon's going to have to counter and let you call anybody through the Alexa app. But for right, so like that's the thing though. Like Google Home, you know that they can do that. They have Google Voice Hangouts, like they're able to do it, but they haven't done it. Yet. They they can't even let me and ring my my phone when I lose my phone. Like every five seconds in the house, <laughs> I have to like search where's my phone on Google and ring it through there. Yeah, like like you can control lights. That's really cool. You can control a thermostat. You can like 
do all of these things with the Google Home. You can have it like play music. You can have it uh, tell you a joke. But God forbid, like you want to save a reminder, like the most typical thing I would probably ask it and it cannot do that. Reminders are hard. It's also able to uh, differentiate voice profiles. So there's multiple profiles now. But reminders, no, no, no. They have their priorities backwards. <laughs> you can save to a shopping list, but reminders, nah. That's that's it's so different. You know, I guess they, they can't do it. I know. So the Echo Show is two hundred twenty nine dollars. I think it's a little expensive when when you like compare it to like other devices. Yeah, I think it's like that extra thirty dollars. Starts to go over that two hundred, like two hundred is kind of the sweet spot, like one ninety nine. Yeah. And then the initial initial uh, Echo was it was it the Echo? I don't remember. Like the really tall yeah, one. Yeah, the Echo. It's Amazon Echo. Is one seventy nine. Yeah, because I, I think I get it confused with the dot, the Echo dot. Um, but anyway, that one's one seventy nine. So, like one ninety nine wouldn't be that steep. But the fact that they're adding like two thirty uh, extra dollars, it's just a little weird. Yeah, I think. So I have a Google Home and I've been debating on switching to the Echo system just because I feel like Amazon is more committed to the Alexa platform than Echo than Google is committed to Google Home. Yeah, I definitely feel the same way. And I also feel like it's but more... But you know that it's... I also feel like it's more... Yeah, you... Sorry. <laughs> I... Okay, you go. Okay, I feel like it's more economic to buy... Um, an Echo Show, put that in the kitchen, buy an Amazon Echo for like the living room and then put like an Echo Dot in every bath or like bedroom instead of buying Google Homes for every room. Yeah, plus Google doesn't have a com competitor to the Echo Show yet. So like Amazon's ecosystem is much bigger um, in this case, even though like Google Home can still integrate with certain like Google services. Um, but I think even with the Echo, you can have it read your Google Calendar, right? Yes, I think you have to like set it up some weird way through their app, but I think it works. Yeah, but you know, like as soon as you switch over to Alexa and the Echo, like Google's gonna release a bunch of features that I O. They're gonna be like Google Home is just can do everything. Well, I'll know in like two or three days. I don't move into the new house till <laughs> like June nineteenth, so I have like a solid month of planning. <laughs> okay, that's good enough. Uh, will you pre-order or buy the Echo Show? Uh, probably not. Like, I don't. I have the Google Home. I'm gonna stick with it. If Google really doesn't do anything for a month, well, I'll, I might switch over to the Echo. I'm not sure. One other thing, I think the most important thing about the Echo Show is you're able to see video feeds from your cameras. So, like, if you have a Nest, you're able to say like a word, show me the nursery. And it just shows you the video on the screen. That's super important for me where I'm trying to like watch my daughter. Yeah, that's that's actually super useful. So I like that. That's why I want to buy it instead of like gluing a tablet to the wall and like hiding the wire like by <laughs> some like wonky method, I can just do the Echo Show. Yeah, it makes total sense. So the last and final like newsy article is Snapchat's earnings call. So they announced major losses. And their their stock subsequently uh, just crashed. It was down like six dollars at the most. It's back up to twenty dollars this Monday at like eight o'clock. What? Do you yeah. So I know that you invested into Snap, um, and I immediately and initially. Sold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So initially you said you're going to kind of, you're looking for the long run, um, you know, five to maybe 10 years uh, sell at that point. Um, so you're kind of going back on that now, right? Are you, do you still believe in Snap? I still because, believe uh, in Snap, but I also think investing in a uh, tech company and IPO is the easiest way, easiest way to make uh, money. So if you put in 10 grand and the stock goes up like five, six percent, you're making a nice chunk of money just right there immediately. So like BuzzFeed is supposedly going to IPO sometime this year. That's another company that I don't exactly like see as a short-term investment. I see it more as a long-term investment, but the short-term return from an IPO is going to be massive. If it IPOs at $20 and then it peaks at 30 and I sell at 30 and then I made all that money off of that 10 grand that I invested. Yeah. That's probably like the fastest way to have uh, your money, make more money for you. Mm -hmm. But I will invest in snap again. I thought about doing it when it was like at $17, especially now that it's up to 20, but I decided that I need a little more information on snap because snap is not a traditional company of any sort. And while I'm like, I guess you could call it like, optimistic in a sense i'm still very bullish on the idea of snapchat and facebook kind of taking all the features i have to see what snapchat's going to do as an answer to all that yeah yeah because instagram's just left and right copying snapchat and it's actually working in a lot of cases so we'll just have to see yeah um would you invest in snapchat um i've thought about it especially with the shares going down but um, I just, I just don't really, I feel like believe in the company enough. And obviously, like I know I snap a lot, and you know, and I use it, and I love the service. Thank you. Do you I really just, snap a lot? Really... <laughs> no. Okay. I was like, I hear yeah, this total... sarcasm, but I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, that was total sarcasm. But yeah, I just, I don't know what to really think of it as. Like, I don't believe in it as a tech company yet. I could be completely wrong in five years, but I don't see it sticking around that long. I see it sticking around long term like Twitter has, but I feel like it's going to go through a lot of turmoil. On a side note, um, if you do start investing, Sonny, I would look up the Robinhood app. It is a free app that lets you trade without any like um, commission fees. So like Scott Trade charges you like $7 a trade. Um, Robinhood doesn't charge you the, that fee. I actually have the app on my phone, so I, I have one stock in GoPro. Oh, GoPro. <laughs> I just wanted to, like, try it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually bought some stock the other day of, uh, man, what is it? It's like Chiron. It's like some um, software company that secures internet cloud providers. They're like a security provider. And I bought it through the... Yeah, I've never heard of them. Yeah, I, I've heard... I bought, um, bought it through the... The Robinhood app, and this is the first time I'm their like Robinhood Gold subscriber. So I put in so much money, and they matched my money, and I've actually like turned a profit on their money. So I'm gonna sell all the shares. <laughs> oh, that's actually really awesome. Yeah, because I that's... bought it at, I bought it at like, man, it was like two. It was a dollar sixty-five a share. And now it's at like two eighty-five a share, and I bought like a good amount of shares. So equity value is like like 
four or five grand or something. Yeah, that's like, I don't know, like more than a third, like almost double. Yeah. Not quite. Almost. It, it's, it gets complicated. Too much math. <laughs> <laughs> so personal topics. <clears throat> Sorry. Oh, man. Okay. So. Okay. No, but like, yeah, one last thing, yeah. like, like the, my issue with Snapchat is like their user experience, I feel like is not very good. Like, obviously they are successful, but. I feel like they need a web presence. Um, like Instagram, they built a web app. So I feel like Snapchat has to do something big like that. Um, like I understand where initially they came from. So it's kind of well, like very I, real time, almost like kind of um, Casey's like Casey's Beam app. Well, that failed. Where you kind of just have the camera available. But like I want to at least be able to browse profiles and stuff. I don't, I, know. I don't think they're ever going to do that because... They're a mobile-first app. Yes, they did change. They did change some things, and they're like allowing you to like loop videos indefinitely. But I don't think in the long run they're gonna move to like a desktop experience because honestly, like a native like desktop experience or a browser experience is not that good for what Snapchat does. It wouldn't give you. Right, and again, I mean, it depends on how much they change because. Like Instagram, like I understand like Snapchat's not really public, but um, in terms of like, you know, your snaps and stuff, but um, Instagram, you know, you wouldn't really think that they would need a website, um, but they did make one. And I feel like there's more users that, um, you know, became more interested because of that. I feel like Instagram makes sense having a website because you want to browse that stuff. Snapchat, you don't really have anything to browse. You you have more like well, messages. Maybe it's like maybe they'll change that yes know. okay that's true they have changed it um personal topics so i want to ask you uh, again i want to get your opinion um so august smart lock or the quick set kivo lock i'm having a hard time deciding which one to buy i i like the august one for the doorbell and the keypad integration but i'm a little more trusting of the quick set kivo like system because quick set is an established like lock brand and they know what they're doing. What do you think? Well, so first, can you explain again um, kind of the, the setup with both? Because I know like the August, it's only on the back, right? Yes. As opposed to the Kivo. So the Kivo replaces all the hardware, the, the lock system, the tumbler, everything. While the August only replaces the thumb lock, it goes on the back. The keypad goes out front with the doorbell, which is a, a plus. So... I, I'm just not I sure. I think I like, yeah, I like how the Kivo looks just because it looks like a traditional lock. Um, but the main thing with smart locks is that, you know, you don't really want to be in that situation where you're locked out of the house. So you want to have some sort of backup system. And in the case of like the August, you can have um, a keypad. So I think that's the main thing with it. Um, and then also you can have like um, something similar to the ring doorbell. So it's something that you can add on uh, later and have it just integrate with August. So, so that's kind of my main thing. Yeah, and I, I do like the integrated system. But the thing with um, the Quickset one, there's wireless key fobs, which like operate as like a little like thing you touch and go. So there is that. But right, you can but have a key still. It still requires you to bring something. That is true. Yeah, exactly. That is true. Uh, I think in the end, I'm going to buy the August one because it sells for 205 on Amazon and then 
the keypads like seventy dollars with the Wi-Fi connectors another fifty, and then plus the ring is one hundred and fifty. So it's expensive, but I think for home security and like just something that's really easy to use. When I walk up, the door is unlocked, and when I walk away, it's locked. I think that's going to be super useful. And is there um, uh, there is Google Assistant integration? Um, Alexa Absolutely. and Google Voice or Google Assistant work with both lock sets. Yeah, and HomeKit for um, August. Katie. Yes, August Smart Lock works with HomeKit. Uh, we do have to have an Apple TV in the home, but I've been debating on stopping like my Xbox like usage as like a as a home hub like as my video and everything and just like opting for like a Roku or an Apple TV or like um, some sort of Android TV. Oh, so HomeKit uses Apple TV as like a hub? Yes, it's, it uses Wi-Fi and then it like connects to your like, um, well, it uses like Bluetooth or something to connect to your Apple TV and then your Apple TV communicates to the Wi-Fi to tell it. So you need the... So Apple TV is it's like a hub and essentially, but it doesn't use like Z Wave or anything. Right. I guess that makes sense, just not having like a duplicate device for something. But. Yeah. Um the other little piece is uh I'm working on a freelancing article for Ninjality. I'm like I have like the intro all down and set up, and then I have like um topics like QuickBooks, self-employed, PayPal, meet Edgar Trello, rescue time as tools and like little tips that you'll be able to like understand how to get started freelancing because I, uh, I started freelancing like maybe a year or two ago and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to properly pay taxes, what my time was worth and what were the best tools to, like manage all my time. So I want to like help people out. Yeah. I think this is going to be a super useful article. Like I've listened to a podcast episode about this topic and he kind of mentioned a lot of the same stuff with, how to manage financing, how to manage your time. So a lot of that's useful stuff. And um, yeah, and I feel like a lot of people that like listen to the podcast and anyone that's like reading the blog on ninjality.com are, are people that, you know, potentially want to start freelancing. Or if you're already freelancing, you can improve, um, you know, your current workflow. So hopefully it'll be super useful. Yep, yep. Yeah. I like that. That's all my topics. Yours? Yeah, so still kind of trying to get used to my work schedule. So hopefully I'll start writing more um, and doing more stuff, uh, as I promised on previous episodes. Um, so tech-related, I got the Wemo Mini Smart Plug. And kind of my main thing with this, because I don't have any uh, smart lights right now. I have the Google Home, um, but nothing really connected to it. So I wanted to be able to control my lights wirelessly. Now, you know, a lot of lights, especially Philips Hughes, like they're really expensive, unless you get a good deal on like like on eBay or something, but which I know, Leon, you did. <laughs> um, so my main thing with the smart plug, it was like 30 bucks. I connect my lamp to it. The setup is really annoying because the app just like absolutely sucks. It's like unresponsive at times and everything, but uh, luckily you only have to set it up once and then you're good. So I can say, okay, G word, turn off my lights, turn on my lights and it works. And I paid 30 bucks. So I definitely recommend it to anyone that's looking for like a really cheap option for automation uh yes i also wrote an article about like the best smart home tech that i have like in my home and that i recommend and that uh wemo mini smart plug was the one that i actually recommend because it's 
it's long ways. It doesn't block two sockets like many other ones do. So you have access to the smart socket and a normal socket instead of only having access to one socket. Well, so I actually looked, um, the one you posted was from TP-Link. They're both essentially the same thing. I don't know what, like the TP-Link one might be more user-friendly, um, but they're both around the same price range. TP-Link's about like 33 bucks on Amazon. Yeah. So they're both like essentially the same I thing. I think now. I picked TP-Link because Wemo has a shitty app in general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which um, I might pick up a TP-Link and kind of uh, do a comparison between the two. Well, maybe I'll send you um, one. And then... <laughs> All right. And then, um, so actually, um, so we have like, a, do you remember the Sony internet TVs back like, I don't know, like six years ago? I yeah. Think? Yeah. So we still have one downstairs and like YouTube kind of stopped working, like a bunch of the apps. Oh, um, it just starts getting really outdated. Um, and so instead of buying a new TV, like I just bought the Roku Express, I think it is, which is like, I think it's also $30. Um, which I didn't really care about Roku until I realized I had Google Play and you can cast some things like YouTube, which is like the really the only thing you care yeah. about. So, yeah, it works and it has Google Play. So that's the main thing with well, it. Kyle, our friend Kyle, the, that works with us, um, he just got that new 4K, like 55 inch uh, yeah, TLC yes, I think, or TCL. TCL and it has the Roku and built in. And like I've debated about buying them. But I felt like Roku was just not a good platform because I don't know. I just I remember Roku back in the day and they sucked. But now if they have no, yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah. Now if they have like they completely changed. Yeah. Like now if they have Google Play and Cast like enabled on YouTube, I'm totally in for it. Yeah. The only thing like I haven't I haven't been able to get casting working like from at any point. You have to open up the YouTube app and then do it. So it's not perfect, but it's it's definitely um, possible to do it. Um, but for, again, for like thirty dollars, again, like this kind of like a budget guide to home automation, I guess, or not automation, but just home tech. But um, yeah, I actually like it. Surprised me, like you said. I like it. And, and last thing, like I saw Guardians. I thought it was really good, better than the first one. So if anyone's like really into Marvel, DC stuff, and you like the first Guardians of the Galaxy? Galaxy, um, second one's really good. I, it surprised me. It's like really funny. Um, I wish it was rated R, but that's pretty much the only thing. Well, I'll see it when it comes out on Google Play because I have a child and <laughs> I don't get to go to the movies. But um, <laughs> I think that like Guardian of the Galaxy and some of those DC movies, they they like they need to push the line of like rated R and like PG thirteen. But I don't think all of them are a good fit for like rated R. Like I think Deadpool was a, one of the better fits for like rated R, but I think if you had like Superman as rated R, that wouldn't have been a good fit. I don't. Well, like I say it cause like there was a lot of kind of crude humor. So it's, if it was rated R, they could have taken it a step farther. Um, but it's definitely at the same time, it's kind of like the Avengers where it's, you know, your kids will want to see it cause it's like superheroes and stuff. So it's kind of both sides to it. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to like, for those franchises to decide, I bet. Like, do we put this to rated R or not? <laughs> um, yeah, and I th I think that's pretty much it because we've been, like, talking for 50 minutes. And we said we would not talk for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, second time's a charm. We have it recorded locally and on our uh, Zencaster app. Uh, shout out to the Zencaster, like, support team for kind of, like, really helping me out and 
just making sure that I'm like, like reassured in all of this because the problem wasn't really them. It was more of some APIs and stuff. So uh, if you guys want to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, we're all Digital Bounds. If you guys want to read the news, we're on digitalbounds.com. I've been a little slacking here and there for writing, but uh, I'll get back into the groove and I'm contracting out to some writers to make sure that we have content all the time. So I appreciate you guys doing it. If you listen this far, thank you so much. Uh, if you are using Apple Podcasts, not uh, iTunes Podcast anymore, you can rate us six stars. I know there's only five, but hack something maybe use that ransomware software and get apple to rate us six stars it really help us out anything else sonny no i think that's uh it. your twitter uh sunny sing so sunny sing and my name is leon hitchens at leon hitchens on twitter uh you guys can find us tweet us ask us questions uh tell us not to trust the internet anymore so we'll talk to you guys later <laughs> bye bye